Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, we are talking with CJ Albertson, a pro runner for Brooks based in Fresno, California, who just set a new 50K world record in 238.43. In this conversation, we talk about his motivations to break that record, whether he is interested in moving up in distance on the ultra scene, as well as his general thoughts on competition, physical training, mental training, and more. All of which I found absolutely fascinating, and there's no question we'll have to do a round two on somewhere down the line. Lastly, if you are a fan of the show, I would love for you to consider supporting Single Track in one of the following three ways. First, uh, and perhaps most importantly, you can leave a rating and short review in both the Apple and Spotify podcast players. This helps more listeners discover the show. Second, you can consider contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash run single track. This helps the show gradually become more listener supported, which I think is a great idea. And third, uh, you can use our discount codes with sponsors like Kodiak Cakes and Gnarly Nutrition, all of which will be in the show notes. As always, uh, thank you so much for your consideration. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. It means everything. With that, let's get on with the show. CJ Albertson, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Yeah, good to be on, Finn. I gotta ask, is CJ your full name? Uh, no, it stands for Clayson Jordan. Okay, I've always, uh, I've always wished I could have two initials for a first name, but my middle name is Alexander, and my first name is Finn, and FA just doesn't have a have a ring to it, so. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. um, well, hey, I don't want to bury the lead. You uh, established a new 50K world record a couple of days ago, and I'm sure you'll do a full rundown of the experience on other shows. But um, I think I'm most curious, what was your motivation in the first place to go for this, given that you, a lot of your pedigree is you know, at the marathon distance? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had, I had done it before. Um, back when it was classified as a all-time world best, um, I had set it and I was actually thinking about this last night, but, um, I mean, I don't want to take credit, but I think I, I might, but I think I kind of started the, maybe, I don't know if resurgence is the right word. Cause I don't know if the 50 K ever had a, a real following, but, um, but yeah, I mean the 50 K all-time world best had been around. I think since the 80s, um, before I set it uh, back in November 2020, um, I just I ran it on my hometown track, and uh, you know it was like a, a, um, yeah I ran 242.30, um, and then after that they started doing uh, a 50k in South Africa each year, and and it's been reset twice since then. Um, so it seems like somewhat coincidental that I set it, and then multiple people said it, you know, in back to back years right after me. Um, and now it's, now it's officially ratified by world athletics. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like I may have played a role in getting the 50 K going a little bit. So, um, <clears throat> that wasn't really my motivation because I, I, I literally didn't even think about that until yesterday, but I think it's, maybe somewhat true now I think about it, but, um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things that it's in my, it was in my contract with Brooks. Um, so, you know, it, it's financially good for me to do it. So, <laughs> I mean, as a, as a professional, it's like, that's part of how you, um, make a, a, a living. So, um, so yeah, that's a big part of it. And then also it's just, I mean, I feel like I could do it. So, you know, why not? Is a 50, I'm curious, is a 50K world record more lucrative than, say, an appearance at the Boston Marathon as a sponsored athlete? Uh, it really depends. Um, I mean, everyone's everyone's appearance fees and, like, I don't know how many people have it in their contracts that they would get anything for a 50K world record um, because... I mean, most people wouldn't even think about that because they don't do that. So, so it, I mean, that's and appearance fees are all on an individual basis too. I mean, there's general numbers out there, but um, for me, I mean, I'm technically not supposed to say, but it's it's roughly the same actually. Um, you know, 
But for other people, I would say if they were just to go do it next week, they probably wouldn't get anything for the 50K world record and they would get, you know, a good amount for <laughs> for the Boston Marathon. So uh, it, it all just depends on, on what is in your contracts uh, and, you know, and how much you're getting at Boston, you know, what, how, what type of caliber you are, how big a name you are, because those appearance fee numbers are going to vary um, pretty greatly. So, of course, yeah, I think I'm, I think one of the reasons why I asked is because I'm very curious to find ways to get more high caliber athletes like yourself, Des Linden into the sport. And I know that, um, you know, there's probably not as much money and resources in the trail and ultra world as there is in the road scene. So it's kind of, it's cool to me that, that Brooks, uh, uh, takes pride in that and, and wants to reward these types of performances in the ultra space. Um, yeah, I mean, cause without, <clears throat> yeah, without Brooks, I would have, um, lost a few hundred dollars. Well, a lot more if I, cause I would have, uh, you know, I, I, the, yeah, the, the race injury fee and the hotel and try, I mean, I didn't, I, I think I got a $50 gift card from the race. I mean, cause there's no, I mean, it's not like a big, it was a super small race. It's not like there's prize money or anything. Uh, and, and you don't get anything from like, world athletics or any organization um you know and then i um i would have you know without brooks i would have been paying for drug testing on my own at least i haven't actually i don't even know i still have i haven't even gotten a bill for it so i don't know if i'm i don't know i never even asked so i'm not (laughs) sure but anyways yeah there's not uh there isn't it would cost you money to set a world record um without you know the backing of a of a sponsor so yeah, it is an interesting thing because you have to um, have the right situation to, to, I guess, want to do it. Um, and again, if it is the way you make a living, you know, you don't necessarily want to be losing money <laughs> in your pursuit. So, uh, yeah. That's okay. That's a, I know we're kind of going down a rabbit hole here, but uh, this is all fascinating to me. It, I, would, I wonder if we go back in the record books who the last athlete was where it actually cost them quite a bit of money to go and set one of these, um, you know, benchmark records in our sport. Well, not very long. I mean, when Kira D'Amato set the 10 mile record, I remember there was a, a pretty big story that, that I, I don't remember exactly who co- all covered it, but yeah. breaking down all the costs for that. And she had set up a whole race and she put a lot of effort into, into it. It seemed like, and it cost her, a significant amount. I don't know if she ended up getting anything from a sponsor, or if, but I, I think it, I mean it was thousands of dollars. I believe that she paid. I don't. I don't. That might not be accurate, but I I remember reading the story, and it was a significant amount of money uh, that she was in the hole in. And again, she may have had a. I'm pretty sure it's Kira Damano. Now I'm blanking, but I'm <laughs> like pretty confident it was. And I, again, I don't know if she ended up getting a bonus later from that, but I know initially, uh, yeah, she, <laughs> it costs money. So, and that was like literally two years ago, so maybe less. So it, it, it's wild that in this day of age that it, we still require athletes to pony up that amount to make it happen. But, um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you on this front, you know, you went 90 seconds under the old record, which is super impressive. But what stands out to me is there was about 150 feet of climbing on each lap. And I think according to your Strava, you had over a grand of climbing, uh, across the 50 K distance. So, um, do, do you, like, what do you think about this record? Like given that you didn't do it on like the perfect course, do you think that it's, uh, there's still a lot of time to be shaved off? Yeah. I mean, I think my, my Strava, um, slightly inflated the the elevation gain um but yeah i mean there was a decent amount of gain it was it was a decent amount of gain um none of the inclines were too steep which i think like suited me personally well um because i'm i think i'm actually pretty good on on like one to two percent inclines and declines i know i'm really good on the declines but on the inclines that are a very moderate steepness um, they don't slow me down too much. And so the downhills just, they speed me up and then the downhills and the uphills don't slow me down as much on, on more steep hills. I definitely, uh, 
am not good, but I think the specific gradient that all these hills were, um, were very conducive to uh, my strengths. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely, uh, the course is also kind of hard to run the tangents, um, which I, I anticipated going in. But I think, yeah, there's definitely room to run a lot faster. I mean, um, and just run, I mean, even even on that course, I mean, I, I think there's a there's a big gain to, uh, uh, you know, you can run a lot faster. I mean, I'm not, hopefully I'm not in anywhere close to peak shape. I'm, you know, I was eight weeks out from my goal marathon. So I'm, I mean, in good shape, but uh, definitely still a lot of work to do. Um, and, you know, I'm never in, well, you shouldn't ever be in peak fitness eight weeks out. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, I think ultimately it's pretty reasonable, like for myself personally to go, um, under two thirty-five, which would be sub five minute pace. Um, and that's like, that's just kind of at the level I'm at right now. Like not, you know, if, if I didn't really improve much, I think I could be, you know, under two thirty-five on a fast course. Um, you know, maybe, maybe with some help with some people. Um, but I think, you know, getting down, I don't know, somewhere between 230 to 235. Um, I think I, I could do, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely probably about 20 people that could run sub 230 tomorrow, maybe, <laughs> you know, cause that'd be, that's 450 pace. Sub 230 is like right at, uh, you know, 450 pace. And so I, you know, that's like 206.30 for the marathon, somewhere around there. And so I think all those 204 guys could, you know, probably do that. What is What do you think Kipchoge runs on that course? Uh, oh, on that course. I don't know. It's hard to know on that course. I mean, if he runs like a Berlin-type course, would he run 437 pace? Maybe he slows down to 445 pace. Um, I don't know the math on that, but you know, it's maybe around 225, 227. I don't, I don't have all the 50 K numbers memorized, but somewhere around in that ballpark. Well, one thing, and this is, uh, the audience of this show is heavily invested in the, in the trail and ultra running world. And I think a lot of folks are curious now that you've had a couple of years of this 50 K distance under your belt. Uh, are you interested at all in other, in other records like the 50 mile world record or the hundred K world record, or, uh, I guess anything above the 50 K distance, does that interest you at all? Yeah, I'm definitely interested. I, I think the ones above the 50 K, um, require a little bit more, um, specific planning and training. Um, you know, whereas a 50 K, I think almost anyone in marathon training can, can just, can do a 50 K. Um, and you know, like this race, for example, there wasn't, I, there wasn't a whole lot of like planning for it. It's just kind of like, I'm doing my marathon build and I'll show up and run a 50 K. Um, but the, the 50 mile and hundred K it's like, it's, that's gotta be a little bit more of a dedicated set. And, um, you can still do it while competing in marathons, but it, it, it wouldn't look the same. Like I, I, you know, I probably wouldn't do a, a hundred K six to eight weeks out. Whereas a 50k, I wouldn't think twice about it, but, um, but yeah, 100k, it'd be like, okay, I'm not gonna, you know, maybe I'm running, um, like my goal marathon would would have to be, you know, a, a few months, like, ideally, it'd be like, yeah, it's kind of hard because you, you basically have to sacrifice a, a, um, either a, a fall or a spring marathon. You know, because you could do like a, like, you could do like a hundred k in the spring and then do a, um, a marathon in the fall. But again, if it's, if it's not financially feasible, like if you're gonna be turning down appearance fees and stuff to run a hundred k, it's gotta be like worth it, I guess. Mm. Um, so I don't know. It, it's kind of it's, yeah. Because I, I I don't feel I don't feel I can just walk out and do a hundred k. Um, <laughs> like the 50 K it kind of is. Do you get any sense? And I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're in your late twenties. Do you get the sense that those types of events, like the 50 mile and the hundred K you could save for much later in your career and you could still get some level of peak performance out of yourself and, and do something that you'd be proud of today? 
Yeah, I mean, I think even for the marathon, um, I, I don't really anticipate reaching my peak for another, I don't know, maybe six years or so. So um, I think for the 100K, you know, I have six to nine years or so where I can be more or less at my peak for that. So there is some, you know, there's some time. Um, I think, I think especially if, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there's some time because, you know, you'll have, uh, after 2024, you know, there'll be some years where, where there can be maybe a free spot in the calendar to, um, you know, to go after something like that when I'm in my early thirties. Um, and, and I may not even be at my peak yet, but I can do, you know, one or two and then come back, you know, maybe like get some experience with it and maybe like a year or two later do another one. Uh, and so, yeah, but I would, I mean, I eventually would like to, um, set both the 50 mile and hundred K world records. Um, and then, or 50 mile and hundred K. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe the hundred mile when I'm done with marathons. Do you keep tabs on the ultra roll at all? Like, are you familiar with Jim Walmsley or any of these other guys that are like the Hoka carbon X event that happened a couple years back where Jim was going for the hundred K world record? Did you follow any of that? Yeah, I, yeah, I was definitely watching that. Um, I don't follow the ultra world too closely, uh, just because I don't, I don't even like trail running. I just, I don't like rocks. (laughs) <laughs> I don't like things that slow me. I don't like anything that makes running technical. Um, besides the steeplechase, I guess, but but that's just more athleticism versus like technique. Because I mean, for the steeple, you don't actually have to have good technique. You just have to be like slightly coordinated, um, which is somewhat true in trail running. But it is there is more. I just don't like technical stuff, and it's a different style of running. Um, and it just like irritates me and the, the rocks just make my feet feel weird. I don't know. I just don't really, I don't really like it. So, um, so you're closing the door there. There's no chance you're ever going to be on the trail scene. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's, it's, it's mostly because I'm not gonna, I won't be able to ever train for it. Um, I mean, there's like, there's like a couple trail places I could go to in Fresno but like I have to drive to them and I'm, I'm just not, I'm realistically, like I'm not ever going to have time to like drive 30. I know that sounds crazy, but to drive 30 minutes to go run on a trail, like I'm just not going to do it. Um, cause I don't really want to do it that much. So like, <laughs> I'm not going to spend an hour of driving in a day to do something I don't particularly want to do. And it's like, it'd be running the same trail. And then in the summer there's snakes and like, I don't want to deal with snakes. Uh, so I could only run on the trail on winters and I mean, it's just, there's not, and it's, yeah, it just doesn't, I'd rather just do comrades and see how fast I could do a hundred. You would do comrades. Yeah. Cause that's on roads, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So con- yeah, anything on a road I'll do. I would even do, um, uh, how about the track bad stuff? Water how about the track stuff like those like 24 hour track world records and stuff like that yeah potentially i don't know I, I don't know if i'll have time to ever do the mileage for that um because i'd, I'd want to like really run fast i don't i don't know i'm not yeah 24 hours is different i don't know but the, the 100 mile is is reasonable i think 24 hours is different but the yeah the trails I, I would like bad water, I think is enough on the roads. I think you hit that you hit trails later on in the race when you climb up. Right. I think cause you're on the road for most of it or for a lot of it. And then you hop on the trail when you're up Whitney. I don't really fully know the course, but I would maybe do that. Um, I'd have to look at it though. See how technical it actually is. Cause I don't even know, <laughs> but, but the idea of running on road when it's a hundred and whatever, um, seems like something i would i would win <laughs> so um i i like to do stuff i could be good at i'm going to i'm going to butcher this but i'm going to try to paraphrase it you you had a you made a podcast appearance 
maybe a year or two ago. I can't remember which one it was, but you you said that it was essentially crazy that more marathoners in your sport don't train above the distance. Like like they'll they'll cap their blocks with these like 22, 23 mile runs. Like in your case, you've gone well over the distance multiple times, including with this 50K mark. Do you think that that same logic applies to the ultra world? Like would if you were getting ready for like, you know, a 50 mile race or a 100K race, that same logic would apply and you'd feel compelled to try something in training before the actual event? Um, not a hundred miler, a, a 50, a 50 mile or a hundred K. I don't think so, but maybe, <laughs> uh, I think I would maybe go longer than the, the time frame. I could see myself doing that. Um, depends how fast I was trying to run like for the 50 mile, maybe because I would want to race that. Um, and so like, I would want to run sub 520 pace, um, which I don't know. I 520 pace doesn't really feel like a race effort. So I, I don't know if I would need to like for the marathon, I go longer than the distance because I'm, I'm not trying, I'm trying to race the marathon. Like you're trying to run as fast as you possibly can. So it's like running a marathon is, is easy. I mean, you know, yeah, you can you can run for twenty six miles, but to race as hard as you possibly can, it's like a you know just like a, like just like a five k, like you got to run more because you're you're trying to run all out for a five k. Um, whereas those longer events they're different because you're you're not. Yeah, plus it's like feasibility wise, it's like well, how long is it going to take to recover from doing a 80 mile training run like <laughs> uh, you know it, it's it's <laughs> there are i like i don't know though because i don't i would want to see because i i don't really you know when i've done like like 35 like like if i do something on a treadmill i don't get sore so if i do like 37 like i've done like 37 miles at a i don't know like 550 pace or something on a treadmill and that was just like a normal run effort where i felt fine the next day so like, you know, do, do I get to a point where I can do 70 miles like that? And it's just, then I can wake up and, and train like normal the next day. Um, I, I don't know. I guess if I could, then maybe I would do over distance, but I haven't really thought too much about it. So I don't know. <laughs> well, there's a couple, and again, I know this is mostly a trail and ultra focused podcast, but there's a bunch of questions I've always wanted to ask you around the marathon distance. And then also your approach to training and your philosophy around mental training as well. Um, you mentioned a couple minutes ago that you don't think you're going to be reaching your peak at the marathon distance for at least another six years. You said 2024 in there, which I'm guessing is a reference to the marathon. Can you talk a bit about what, uh, what you think your ceiling is performance wise at the marathon distance and what your remaining goals are there? Uh, I have I have no idea what my, my ceiling is. Um, I don't think, I mean, I guess when I first started, I, I thought this would probably be my ceiling, you know, around 210. I didn't even know if I could run 210, but I thought if I could, that'd be, that'd be pretty good. That'd be a good, uh, you know, thing to achieve and like be satisfied with that career. Like I thought like that was like, that'd be really fast like sub five minute pace, you know, that seemed crazy to me because it just, that's like a big barrier. Um, but now of course that doesn't feel fast. It doesn't seem fast at all. Um, I think sub 450 pace kind of feels what sub five minute pace felt like, oh, that'd be, that'd be cool to run, you know, run 206. Uh, that'd be pretty good. But, but also I think it can do that, you know, but then when I run 206, then it's going to be like, well, 445 pace, 440 pace, like, I don't know. That's the same. Like, yeah, I can do that. So I don't really know, you know, you don't really know where your ceiling is going to be. Obviously as you get faster, the pushing the ceiling up becomes harder. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I think, um, when I was, you know, younger, like, especially when I started running, like in, when I didn't start running in high school, I started back in elementary school, but like in high school, like I was, I felt like I was really fast, um, and you know, just good at the mile and could run fast four by fours. Um, and I'm decently strong. And so I think like I have, 
I've never really had fast track times as far as like collegiately or, or post-collegiately. I mean, I, all my PRs are still from college and I never have really ran on the track since. But so it seems like my ceiling would be low because I don't have on paper any speed, but I think I actually do have speed. Um, and I think I have like the genetics for it um, because I, I was fast at a time. Uh, and so I don't, you know, and, and I know like, just like my my what I've been racing at in terms of my body weight and my BMI, um, I I kind of joke, but I also think it might be true. I think I may have the world record uh, in terms of marathon time um, for people, you know, over a a certain BMI. Wow. So like over, I don't know exactly what I am like. 22 or something but i think i'm pretty close like i mean no one you, you never really measure someone and like weigh them on the day so there's no official thing but i gotta be close so i mean theoretically you know if i just things happen and i i lose eight to ten pounds and i'm still just a i'd still be slightly above oh, i'd still be above average weight for a marathon standard um you know then yeah 202 203 is like becomes reasonable so there's like there's so many things that i think can get and i've never actually i've never had a full training block where i've utilized um altitude either i've done some stuff with my altitude generator but i've never done all the things in training all together uh, so there's just so many factors that haven't in my mind been close to maximized uh so yeah i don't know i even I mean, I, as Kipchoge is running faster, the world record seems harder to obtain. But but what it was before, back when it was like 202 high, I feel like in my head that seems obtainable in 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 a in a sense. 20109 is I don't know. I don't in my head. My head's not there yet. <laughs> you said a lot of interesting stuff there. One thing I want to highlight: you said that. In certain circumstances, for you personally, 202 to 203 sounds reasonable. Uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the American men's world record is Ryan Hall, just under 205, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's an asterisk because it was it was Boston. Yeah, so the true. official American record is 205.38. Um, yeah, that seems like... I don't have any mental blocks about the American record. Um, obviously, like I, it'll take it'll likely take some steps to get there, and you know my PR is still two ten, but um, but I feel but yeah, I feel like there's like things where like mentally it's like that's not you just don't even think about it because it's not going to happen. But the American record, uh, as of probably maybe the last like year or so, um, maybe not year. Since training for Boston this year, the American record just seems, it seems inevitable that it's going to be broken really soon. Um, and I feel like I, I have an equal shot. What what so, time are you targeting at your next race? Um, Probably like, two, like low, low 208, high 207. Yeah. But you think within the next six I mean, that's what I'm saying. But if if training goes super well... <laughs> I don't know. So you think, but you think with that within the next, within the next six years, where, where you reach that uh, physical peak, you think that two hundred five is uh, is possible? Sub two hundred five. Sub two hundred five, uh, and maybe even as as, as, as say, I would need. I, in the next six years, the American record will be broken for sure, and it could be. You. Um, it could be me. Yeah, I think. Um. It'll be broken, yeah. I like it, it'll just be a matter of how much it gets broken by. Um, I mean, if I do it first, I can do it. You know, if someone runs two hundred three, it'll be harder. But uh, so yeah, it's it's gonna be broken pretty quickly. Um, but but it may. I think I. I think if I can, I want to. I think I need to do it within the next couple years, um, because I, after the next couple years, I think I think it'll take. I think it'll take being in Amer in American record shape. So being having the ability to run two hundred five thirty eight, I think it will take that to make 
the 2028 Olympic team. Mm. 2024, I don't know. It's kind of up in the air. I think you're going to have to be really, really fit to make the 2024 team. But I think by 2028, it's going to look a lot different. And, you know, people, and you'll you'll need to be in around 205 shape. Not necessarily, we won't maybe not run 205 at the trials. And there may not be three people with those PRs, but you'll need to be in that type of a fitness. Like if everyone were to go to Berlin and run a paced race, you know, you'd have to be able to run 205 in order to make the team in 2028 that's what that's just what i predict and so you kind of have to plan now like okay you have to be there because yeah that's the american record but it's really not that good and in five years or in six years that's not even going to be great it's just going to be that's what you got to run to to be competitive this is a little bit of a weird question but i'm I'm starting to ask it within the sport of trail running as well Uh, given that you're one of the the top players in, in the marathon game uh, I'm curious, what is your relationship like with other top athletes like the Galen Rupps, the Connor Mances? Are you is it are you guys like colleagues? Do you guys talk a lot? Uh, what does that all look like? Um, well, the two that you've mentioned, I've I've never talked to. So, uh, I in well, Connor Mance follows me on Strava, I think, but I don't think Galen. I don't even know if Galen Rupp would know who I am, but um, I guess maybe he would. I don't. I don't actually know. 50 50 chance you would know who I am <laughs> but um yeah I mean I don't I don't have much I think I'm not in a uh training group and I wasn't really known or good like I wasn't I wasn't like an all-american in college so I wasn't really like racing those guys in college whereas a lot of the guys you know they they had battles with each other in college and then they uh, are in like training groups and they, they race each other a lot on the, on the kind of U S road circuit. Um, and I don't necessarily do a lot of those races uh, because I also teach and coach and, mm-hmm. um, and I, yeah, I, so I just don't do all of those. And so I don't race them a lot or see them a lot. So I don't really, I mean, I don't really know too many of the other guys. I mean, there's a handful that like now I've seen a few times at Boston and, um, you know, and they're cool when we talk, but like, I wouldn't say I'm like super close with anybody just because, you know, I, at best I see someone like twice a year, uh, and, and, you know, we follow each other on Strava maybe. And that's, uh, you know, I, I don't have, uh, it's definitely like, you know, friendly, like when we see each other, I think most many distance runners are, um, well, maybe not friendly is the right word because I mean distance runners aren't overly friendly. Kind of weird, but like you know, you're 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 nice and respectful, and, and once you get talking, you know, you're pretty cool people. So, um, yeah, right but yeah, I would say I'm more on the like, I'm just kind of like, I'm not like in like any circle of like pro runners because like I'm I'm just I I just kind of. I'm like this outside dude that just kind of does his own thing. And <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah. going back, we, we talked a little bit earlier about motivation. And I'm curious, like when you're in a competitive setting in the marathon, are you somebody that feels like uh, you have haters out there and you have something to prove and there's like a chip on your shoulder or is all of the motivation internally sourced and it just comes from like a love of the game? Uh, I mean... I definitely like to compete, so I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of internal. Um, I don't really feel like I have any haters. Um, sometimes I I try to. Um, well, they they doubt the training style, right? Create them. Yeah, but I think that. Uh, I think I, I everyone has like insecurities, but I think in in some aspects of my life and my brain I'm confident in in certain areas so like certain things that people like question it's like it's just it's just like funny to me and I I like I just think that I'm just I don't know how to say this without sounding bad but I just think I'm like just smarter than them so like (laughs) it's not like it's not like it's like if like a first grader like hates on you it's like you're not that doesn't it's just funny like it's not like it doesn't mean anything to you because it's like 
yeah, I, I know what I'm doing a lot more than you do. Um, and the fact, and like, I'm better than you because of this. Like, the only reason you know my name is because I've gotten so much better and do this. Like, so it's just, it's not really, I don't know. I don't think, I just, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like I have anything to prove because the if, I, I don't know. I just, I think the, I think, um, Sometimes I'll like when you talk about like pro runners, like I feel like because I wasn't necessarily um, in that circle of like people that knew each other in college or that was like really good, like before that. Um, and, and because I do um, just kind of, you know, kind of things that seem kind of dumb, like the indoor world record or the 50K things that things that people don't think of as like serious, you know, that other pro runners like don't really um, respect me as a competitor as much. Um, and that's probably not true, but, um, I like to like think that sometimes just because then it's like, Oh, well, like, you know, you'll respect me when I beat you by like three minutes. So, (laughs) but I mean, again, I just kind of make that stuff up in my head because I, I don't know what they really think, but, um, you know, I don't know. Um, well, I don't even remember the question now. I just got, <laughs> I went to different places in my mind. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. I want to make sure we cover a couple of other things. Um, I do want to get a little bit into your training philosophy, but first, uh, you've talked a lot in other interviews about the importance of the mental side of the sport, and you know, you've talked about the central governor theory before, and uh, how you have to think about times and distances in terms of confidence and normalizing them, and. Uh, I think this audience might not have heard you riff on this before. So can you talk about your philosophy when it comes to like preparing yourself mentally and how you reconcile it with um, like inevitable physical limits? Yeah. I mean, I think you just can't ever like view something as being like super hard. Um, I think, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, when you view what you're doing as some like grand task, that's like, going to be like really really difficult and hard I think it I don't know I I just think it makes it harder to do so I I try to um I try to view things as like they're just normal things to do so you know when I when I run like because like for some people they're like oh the 50k like that's 31 miles like that's more than a marathon and in my mind it's just like I'm just running for you know, a little over two, two and a half hours. Everyone does that. I mean, you know how many people run two and a half hours? Like tens of thousands mm. of people every single Saturday and Sunday. Like it's just, you know, you just go do it. Um, and so it's, it's so then it, it's just like a, it, it's not this like big scary thing. It's just something that you do. Um, and then like, you, you know, you have to have training and you have to, your brain has to like have it has to have some realistic things that it sees to make it appear realistic. Um, so you do have to actually do the training, um, you know, but you also have to just do like, you have to go longer and farther and faster in training too, so that you see it. And, it, you know, you won't have that big jump all at once, but it's like, if you've only ran 16 miles in your life, well then run 18 miles the next week. And then a few weeks later, run 20 miles and then 22. And then like, don't just stop and run 22 miles for the next 10 years, run 24, run 26, run 28, run 29. You don't have to go up by twos. I don't know why I was saying twos, but (laughs) you know, like everyone just kind of is like, Oh, like when you're in high school, you know, you only, or when you're, I don't know what people run high. So that's too broad. But when you're in college, Oh, you only go up to 16 miles or, Oh, you only go up to 18 miles and then you stop there. And it's like, that's kind of like, you know, everyone's, max is like kind of run 18 miles in college and then it's like and then you get into like marathon training oh now i'm marathon training so i can go up to 22 or 24 and then you just kind of stay there for years it's like why why don't you why don't you just go up and then you go you know you run 30 then you run like 34 and like it so then so then like it's you're just giving i mean you're just following sound training protocols like you're just you, you, you reach a certain thing where it becomes normal and then you increase the stimulus a little more, um, you know, by running a mile or two longer or by running 
five seconds a mile faster or whatever. You know, you there's lots of different variables you can do. But, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I think other – I don't think anything I do is really, like, crazy. It's just, like, I just do a natural progression of training. I just don't stop at these arbitrary numbers that other people stop at for no particular reason. <laughs> Fast. I mean, you, you just used the word arbitrary there, which I think is interesting. I'm curious, uh, when you think about like all of the established training paradigms out there and, and how to approach things, like you mentioned, what college runners are expected to do, high school runners, et cetera. Uh, do, who are your inspirations in those spaces? Like when, when you've, as you've developed your own methods over the years, or you've adopted methods over the years, what are you pulling from? Like, who are you pulling from? Who are you getting inspiration from? Or does it all just come from your own trial and error? I mean, definitely uh, lots of people. I think, I think my, I don't know where I got my overarching philosophy because my overarching philosophy is with, with anything is like, I just want to constantly think about everything and not have, one philosophy because like it there's never there's in almost anything there's never like a right or a wrong or a set way to do it it's like there's just all this stuff and you kind of just mix and match like you figure out how to how to make it best work and so there's never really a right way or a you have this philosophy or that philosophy it's like it's kind of just like there's all these ideas and how do you put them all together and it's constantly and that constantly kind of changes. And then you have so many different variables. Um, there's just so many variables with training. like um, Because you can write a training philosophy, but you, your body doesn't respond to a training philosophy. Your, your body responds on the energy that it has, on the nutrients that it has, on the cellular signals that get created based on so many different things going on within your body within your mind in the actual workout that you did you know and, and there's so many different things so it's there's and then there's so many different aspects of training like people will be like like people always have debates on like um oh well you run at this intensity because you know more mitochondria are produced <laughs> okay cool but like that that like I'm super interested in mitochondria and I'll go through like whole nutrition things on trying to get the most out of my mitochondria using all these different things. But that's just one very small aspect of like running performance. Not small. I mean, the mitochondria is pretty big, but it's one aspect. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. The, uh, running two minutes slower than your 5k pace, maybe all that's necessary for mitochondria, but like there's a whole neuromuscular aspect of, of running and, and running, you have different running economy at different paces and it's like if you don't have the best possible economy at your actual 5k race pace you're not going to run the fastest you can for a race pace then if you're actually trying to race and sprint handle surges like there's, there's so many different things than just your mitochondria so like people will say people get on these stupid arguments based on one one little thing based on like research that may or may not even be true because i i, I just uh, was messaging a guy uh, a guy that I raced in high school and he's doing some really cool research. They just discovered a new protein um, that's involved in mitochondria that that is uh, involved with in, in the lactate shuttle process and um, basically they're, they're discovering more about why certain zones of intensity uh, or certain training will will help with with mitochondria and they there's this whole thing that we've never even looked at but it's like. So all the research that we've done is like it's still just guessing and I love research but it doesn't it doesn't show everything and we're just and not all research is necessarily great and then sometimes we find out 10 years later oh this was actually misleading and wrong um and so yeah it's just there's no there's there shouldn't ever be one philosophy that you follow completely one because everyone's different too um but yeah, definitely. I mean, Renato Canova, I've, I've definitely read a lot of his stuff and, and actually talked with him. Um, and, and I think he he doesn't necessarily use... Who's he, by the way? What? Who's he? He's, he coaches... Um, he, I mean, he's coached 
I mean, world record holders and, and Olympic champions from the 800 all the way through the marathon. Um, he, he's he's based out of Italy, but he's coached a lot of like East African athletes. Um, yeah, I mean, he and he yeah, so he I mean, he's been coaching for a long, long time, but he, uh, but yeah, so he I mean, he 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 knows all the research, but also it's more based on like this is the goal of the race, so how are we, you know, how are you going to run this pace for if it's a 3k steeple, if it's a 5k, if it's a marathon, like how are we going to get you to run this pace? Um, and so it, it's kind of based on the philosophy of that. It's like, yeah, you can look into like this known does this, this known does that, this lactate, whatever, but it's like, it, he doesn't use like zones like that. It's just like, it's, it's more based on like, okay, you got to be able to run faster than race pace. And you got to be able to run for a long time, just slower than race pace, which is very simple, you know? So you got to do a lot of work kind of 5% faster, 5% slower. And then as it gets close, you got to do a lot of work basically within two, like right around race pace. And you got to learn how to run that race pace and extend that out to as close to the race distance as you can. Obviously you can't run the whole race in practice, but you know, you do as much of it as you can. Um, and so it's, it's, it's actually a pretty simple. I mean, I think his philosophy is actually really simple when you break it down, um, and and so I I really like it and have gotten good things out of it. Then when you actually apply it to training, I think it's like when I apply things to myself, it's like okay, in my head I can think of a workout that is theoretically the best, but it's like in my life I don't have the mental capacity at that moment to do it, or I don't have the the energy to do it because I, I have this thing in my work or like, or it's 90 degrees outside or a hundred degrees outside or whatever. <laughs> so like, you, you know, you have to, what's textbook, the best thing to do isn't always what fits your life the best. Um, which is also, I mean, Canova's philosophy too is like, you know, you, you train the person, you don't just have a philosophy and then the person does your philosophy. It's, you have the runner and you train the runner. A couple of more questions I have for you before we go. And I know we could talk about this all day and maybe we'll end up doing a round two. I'd love to do it. Um, but I was watching a Sidious Mag video. It was like a 22 mile training run you did, I think before Boston earlier this year. And that was awesome to watch. But the most interesting part of that was uh, you were inside your house getting interviewed and you had all these interesting training contraptions like that sauna kit in the bedroom and you had that red light tool and uh can you talk about this part of your training because it seems like you're one who doesn't leave any stone unturned when it comes to like recovery nutrition and stuff like that so maybe give us more of an insight into how important like the other 22 23 hours of the day are in your training yeah it's uh it's it's partly a hobby too like i just i'm really i don't know like the extent that the the extent that I look into, you know, nutrition or, or supplements or um, recovery protocols or whatever. I don't know that that's fully necessary, but it's, it's just, it's always been like a hobby. Um, And just, just like experimenting with things. And um, I don't know. I mean, just, just seeing like what, what things do. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just like very curious, I guess. Um, and so yeah, things just interest me to try. Um, and it's, 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 just, it's more like fun for me, I guess, to just try different things and to, to see all, like how all these different things can affect the human body. And, and some things don't. <laughs> and I mean, I've definitely like experimenting with things as like, it was probably a waste or a waste of time or a waste of money, but whatever. Like it was still, it was still the experiment. Um, I mean, I would like love to be in a lab and just run experiments all the time, but, but then also I wouldn't want to do all the work. Like I wouldn't want to go through all the process. Like I wouldn't ever do, I wouldn't publish anything because I don't want to go through the paperwork, the process. I just want to, I want to get as much information as I can in as short as time possible. So I don't want to, I don't want to do any like, logistical stuff i just like like that's why like i like i mean experiments of one are never good but at the same time i also don't really care about the results on other people well i do because i'm a coach so i do but like i'm mostly concerned about like oh how did it affect me 
And so when I'm doing experiments on myself, it's like, well, it may not work for everyone, but it works for me. So it doesn't really matter. Like it's, you know, I find out. Um, but yeah, but I mean, coaching too. Like I have, I want to do, I don't know, like I kind of want to do a marathon block that's just like, that just is just makes no, like it's just like something way different. Like where like you never do an easy run. You just, well, I mean, people have done that though, like the Egloid method and you just do a bunch of intervals, but like they're like, um, Egloy, okay. he was from like the fifties or sixties. Okay. Gosh, I don't. I think it's I G L O I. Um, but he'd be basically do a bunch of intervals. Um, yeah, just intervals. But like you know, so may, like maybe you run like you run for like a minute at a time, and then you take like 20, 30 seconds rest. But like your minutes at like like your easy day is you run like a bunch of 300s at 450 pace and you do like 10 miles worth of that. And so your heart rate is like 130, you know, your average heart rate's around 130, 140, the whole session, you know, you have some spikes, but your average, um, you know, and you have, you get your normal 10 miles of volume in, but it's just all at 450 pace, but it was the same effort and same, I don't know, same strain, but you have the, you have the neuromuscular work of 450 pace. Um, I don't know. Or you just do like, I mean, there's just so many possibilities of things you could do because in other sports, like in swimming or in cycling, like they train so much differently, like, like cycling so much volume. Like we do like marathon runners train, like sprinters on a bike. I mean, we do so low volume compared to a, even a swimmer, actually swimmers, even high school swimmers are in there four hours a day. They practice two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. Heck, even a, I'm a professional runner. I barely run. I don't even run two hours a day. Um, I do half of what a high school, you know, JV swimmer does. It might be exaggerating for some schools, but I mean, all the high schools around us, that's what they did. So, yeah. What is your... So maybe, maybe I just need to run for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> what is your current recovery or, yeah, your current warm-up and recovery protocol look like outside of the actual run? Like, what are you doing in the house to warm up and cool down not a whole lot right now i wake up it's like the morning so i just try to i try to sleep as much as i can so the amount of time before i wake up to when i start running is not a lot maybe like 15 minutes so i, don't, I pretty much do nothing um on sundays when i'm doing a really hard run then that'll be different i'll i'll do some foam rolling uh, I'll do some little things to loosen up my back because my back always gets tight. Um, I may do the red lights to warm up a little bit because that just gets everything warm. And then I may do some like little warm up drills and some some activation, like some of the stuff you saw in the Sidious video, like some glute activation, some soleus calf stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not a super long. And then recovery, like cooling down. I don't do a whole lot. I just kind of, I just kind of like try to like, re like relax. Okay. I mean, as much as I can. Cause I go, to, then I go, I have like work, but, but I mean, my work is like PE. So <laughs> I guess I can't, I don't know. I just basically just, I think the best thing is just to not be stressed, which I can't always control. And I'm, I'm laid, I'm sometimes laid back, but then I'm also sometimes really, really, really not laid back. Like I'm very, uh, when things enter my mind, they don't leave my mind until they are 100% solved and resolved. So, so that is problematic <laughs> a lot of times, but I would say my energy levels and my recovery is 95% going to be related to my, my stress and my sleep. Mm. Um, all the other stuff, I mean, foam rolling, stretching, you know, whatever. I think if you're strong, it, they don't really matter a whole lot. So, um, I do, I do, I've been doing more strength training, but I did so much. I did a lot of strength training when I was younger and just played a lot of sports. So I had a lot of base strength. Mm. So, you know, all the like rehab things and prehab stuff that people do now, I don't really have to do because I, I was strong as a kid. Um, so like I did that, I, I essentially did all that stuff for, you know, 15 years before I was 
running professionally. And so, um, I mean, you do things when you're young, it, it sticks better. Um, and so now it's just like, if my, if my body and my mind can rest, then I'm good. If they can't, then I'm, I'm not so good. <laughs> I think that's actually true for a lot of people, but. I think you're spot on about the stress piece. Like minimizing stress is such a huge lever in this whole process. And I, mean, I know sleep is getting all the credit in the world these days, but um, the stress piece is huge. You can't sleep if you're stressed either. It's I mean, you, your sleep is not very good. But, but yeah, I mean, sometimes I just straight up won't do a workout because it's like, I just feel so run down because of like something that has been in my mind. And it's like, I just, you just legit, you just can't run. Like, I mean, some of my athletes, some of my college athletes, like what they do on such l relatively little sleep and with, I know what they're dealing with, like their stress is like, I, I physically, like, I don't. Like I, people think I'm crazy, but I physically don't know how they do what they do. Just knowing their life, I, I don't understand it. Like it's, it is ask, actually crazy to me sometimes. And it's like, you know, we try to like change habits because like I want them to be at their best and I know they can do so much more. But I think there's so many people that have also just accepted what their life is with their current uh, sleep and stress levels that they don't they don't they don't actually believe that like wow i would be like minutes faster in a 5k even just like that that is my potential it's just like i'm living this life or like people's diets like they don't even because like if i eat unhealthy for a couple of days like maybe after a marathon i just kind of like let loose for a little bit i feel so bad and i think there's such a large population of people that feel like that every day but since you feel like that every day that just becomes normal and you don't realize how bad you feel. Mm. Um, and I don't say that to say like, I'm better than people. And like, you know, you feel terrible, you know, but like, but like at the same time, I kind of, I do, I think people have accepted this level of um, this, this low, low quality feeling that they don't know is low quality because it's just become normal. Mm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like, no, like, let's like change that. Cause like your body is like capable of a lot more um, and you can feel so much better. And it's just like, I don't know, but like, you, you just don't know that until you get there. It's like running, like no one can comprehend how running is fun. It just seems so weird. And it's like, who the heck wants to run? Cause it's so, feels so bad. And it's like, yeah, it does. But then once you once you get in shape, it's like, oh, this is what running feels like. Like, this is nice. Like, this is fun. But it's like, you can't even fathom that until you actually get there. Break on through. Um, yeah. And I think that's, I think when it comes to sleep and recovery and stress and nutrition and all that, I think that's where people are at where it's like, they're, they're in this phase where it's like, oh, I didn't even know that you could feel differently. Couple rapid fire questions here for you before we close up. And I've, I've super enjoyed this conversation, man. And uh, we'll have to have you on for round two because we, we didn't go nearly deep enough into like the mental side and a lot of this training philosophy stuff. First question for you Who's your favorite runner of all time? I, I don't have one. I've never had, I've never had favorites of, of all time, like with anything. I don't know why. Um, Okay, let's all rephrase it. Who is a runner that is currently impressing you right now? I mean, obviously Kipchoge for sure. Um, but I, I mean, I think, I, I think, who do I want to race the most and be in a race with? I mean, I was literally just talking with my wife about this. Like, I want to be in a race with him because if I know, like, if I know specifically Boston, if I'm training for Boston and I know that he's in it. I'm going to be in the best shape. Like it, like it's just like every, I, I just, I would want that so bad. Like I would want to be in such good shape. And so, I mean, I think that means the answer has to be him. What's a good book you've read over the years that you'd want to share with the audience? I actually don't think I've read an actual book book in a long time. I read a lot of information, but I don't necessarily read, books what's an interesting tidbit of information you've come across recently that 
uh, inspired you or made you rethink something? I was listening to an interesting podcast series. I just recently listened to it. Okay, it's 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 by Timothy Keller. It's called Questioning Christianity. Wow. And it's basically just like um it's basically like a it's like using reason. It's basically discussing Christi- Christianity in the scope of like reasonable arguments. Um and it's just it, it it's just a very I think the the way the way in which he talks and phrases things and just his whole demeanor like very much resonates with me. Um, and a lot of things are just very like thought provoking because it, because there is no like this is right or this is wrong. It's just like here is reasonable arguments and what makes the most sense or, or what, you know, what is maybe more likely. And it's, it's just very interesting to listen to. So when you're when you're going out on runs, you like to grapple with the big philosophical questions. Um, I mean, not all the time in a run. I mean, yeah, I, I'm pretty much. I like to. I don't really. I don't like. Okay, I don't like small talk at all. Actually, like I just really. I don't get the point. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know I do get the point, but I don't like it. But uh, but yeah, I would always talk about deeper things like I, I have no reservations but like I'll, I'll talk about literally anything like the deeper it is, is the better I guess or the more thought-provoking it is um like that's like I'm always up to talk about anything I just like to think and I like when other people like to think um and I don't I don't I kind of have strong opinions but I actually don't sometimes I phrase things as I have a strong opinion but it's I have a strong opinion that I want you my strong opinion is i want other people to really think deeply about something and not be set that like something is right or wrong Mm. or or that that it's you know there's this absolute this you're right or you're wrong it's like i just want i want to just think and talk through things because i don't know i just think it's good to think and and i like thinking and like hearing different things but in a in a in a thing where it's yeah just it like situations where both people just want to think and discuss ideas like it's just i like that right on like joe rogan podcasts i feel like are good because you know joe rogan's like he's a personality but also people just kind of talk and it's like everything's like open it's like you know i mean he'll talk about the most random stuff but it's like just kind of open to anything it's like that's i i like things like that where it's like you know we talk about literally anything and um, some things may end up in the end, I think is dumb, but like, you know, as like, at least let's think about it. Last question I have for you. If you could put a message on a billboard for all to see, what would it say and why? Um, this is funny because I was just talking about, we were joking about someone running for like office or something. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'd put a sign up for you. I'm like, actually, I wouldn't. I would never put up. I'd never be one of those people that puts up signs, even if I really believed in a can there person. Like, I just hate when people put signs up and stuff. So I wouldn't put up a billboard. I just I don't like the idea of like putting I just I don't know why I would probably just put like a smiley face or something like something that's like doesn't actually say anything. It's just subliminally puts you in a better mood. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'd maybe have some like psychologists do something that just like maybe it's just a color or a smiley face or a, a a facial expression or something that just it doesn't actually say anything but it it makes it brings some good goodness <laughs> i feel like that's the best approach with a billboard anyways right on that's it we haven't had people, people don't like no one really likes to be told some something so even if you put something that's really great the fact that it's a billboard, it's like you're trying to tell someone something. Right. And I don't think anyone really likes that. Or very few. I mean, some people do, but I don't know. <laughs> well, CJ, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, we'll make sure to link to all of your social media in the show notes. And I'll make sure to link to all of these uh, different training references in the conversation as well. Do you have any calls to action or final thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with before we go? Um, 
I mean, based on what I just ended with, probably not a call to action. <laughs> I was trying to get you there. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you are in a situation, I guess, where you're like, you're, you're, um, maybe have the opportunity to think about something kind of deeply, even if you don't really want to, maybe just kind of take some time just to think about it or just like, just to think, maybe just like to pause in life and just like think about like, wow, like what is my life? Like, not like what is life, but kind of what is my life? Like, what am I doing? Like, why am I living? Like, what am I really trying to accomplish or like do with, like, what do I want my life to be? And what do I want it to, to mean to other people? Um, something like that.